0: All right, if you've been with me for the last few episodes, we are talking about ancient parenting, international parenting, parenting outside the US. And this goes for educators as well, because most of these, if not all these, strategies apply to education equally as much as parenting. But where this series comes from is I read multiple books on parenting in Scandinavia, in uh, where else? (laughs) In France, Germany and some ancient cultures like Incans, Mayans, Tanzanians. So I took the information I learned from those books and that research, and I compiled it into a few different topic areas. And I'm sharing some of the things that stick out that I think could be really useful and beneficial for you all uh, in raising and educating your kiddos. So the last couple episodes I think the last two, we kind of have been talking about like, what are alternatives to punishment? Because if you've been here for a while with me, you know I'm not a big believer in punishment unless it's more of like a natural consequence and it's teaching a lesson. Too much of what we use in the United States does not teach a child how to make a different choice or a better choice. For example, time out. Don't love time out. I actually really hate time out. And here's why. Just sending a child away to be banished in the corner, does that teach them how to do anything different next time? And it's likely that their behavioral choice or action was not fully conscious. It was just a reaction and kind of impulsive. So they can't fully control how they respond yet. They're learning how to do so. So my job is to teach them, not just to punish them. So we had talked in previous episodes about different strategies to try. Uh, Last episode was about kind of telling stories and how to integrate humor and lightheartedness and make Compliance more fun because life is too serious, and kids live in a society that's very serious, and there's a lot of expectation and pressure. So this alleviates some of that. But today we are going to we're going to talk about the idea of like, let's call it a three-piece. Puppets play in problem solving. <laughs> and I'll explain what all of that means in just a moment. So, how can we teach lessons through? lighthearted, playful ways. One of which is you can use puppets or even like if you don't have puppets or don't feel comfortable with puppets, you can use like toys, stuffed animals, figurines, and you're basically going to act out scenarios that teach the child how to do a, how to make a different choice next time. I remember when I was kind of like a traveling teacher, I would travel to schools and teach kids behavioral interventions, (laughs) teach teachers how to use behavioral interventions with kids. And I would use this one a lot. I wouldn't use puppets or figurines because I couldn't carry all that stuff with me every day, but I would draw the things out. I would draw the stories and the scenarios out. So I'll make up the scenario about, really, it's about the child, but they don't know that. I think it's about this made up thing. And this problem happens, like maybe it's around hitting or maybe it's around stealing or whatever it is. And the, the puppets, the figurines, the drawings, they walk the child through the problem, how to solve it. So they're learning how to solve their own problem. They just don't recognize that it's about them. Much easier way to get your point across and fun. It's fun too. Another way to do this is, I think it's from the book Hunt Gather Parent. It's, she calls it and the author. I think it's called Bring It Into The Play Zone or something out like the play zone. So she uses the phrase, I've noticed, insert whatever the problem is, and then follows it up with, let's play a game about that. And basically... What she is doing here is she encourages parents to reenact the story in like a drama, uh, kind of role play through it, and teaches the child how to solve the problem. So here here's the example that she gives in the book, and then I'll give you some kind of other examples as well. There was an issue where I think it was a three or four-year-old was hitting a lot, hitting her. So when the child was calm, not when the child was upset, because the thing is when these behaviors happen kids are upset, they're not in their rational, logical brain, they're in their emotional brain. So when they get back into their rational, logical brain, you can do this drama so that they can think more clearly and and remember this information better. And in, in this particular example, the mom, Micheline, asked her daughter to hit her. Remember, she's calm. This is way after the incident. And when she, when the daughter hit her, she made a huge, like, just oversized, (laughs) dramatized response, like really exaggerated, and said, Ouch, that hurt. And then kind of paused for a second and said, Don't you like me? And her daughter, you know, instantly kind of shifted. And you could tell by the way that she explained the story that. In that moment, the daughter realized that hitting really hurt her mother and she had deep and genuine empathy about it versus when she did it in the moment where she was emotionally elevated, it was just reactive. It was impulsive. But why this dramatization works is because when you dramatize it and you really help her to see how much it's, it's a problem when she's calm, when she's in a good state, it locks that memory into her memory system. And she can more likely remember when she's elevated so she won't hit again. And it won't stop instantly. It's going to take a couple attempts and multiple drama stories and dramatizing this over and over again, but it will help them to understand their actions and the consequences of them because they can think more rationally about how it impacts people. Okay. So the other way that I do this is, um, I have kids role play. Out scenarios. So if there's an issue between two kids in a classroom or two kids in a playgroup or you know just one one child and myself, I role play. We we switch roles back and forth through the scenario again when they're calm, and we kind of talk through solutions. So it's very similar to that as well. The biggest thing to remember is to kind of overdramatize, exaggerate, add a level of like funny and lightheartedness because you're not punishing them. You're not kind of you're teaching them, but you're not making it. So much as like a straightforward boring lesson. it's it's a game. It's the play zone. So make sure to add that element of humor and lightheartedness. I will also do this for problem solving. so I there's a very sequenced steps of problem solving that I go through. It's in a previous episode. you're welcome to go back and listen to that. In short, it's I and I do it's you felt I felt problem solution. And when I'm going through this with kids as young as three or kids as old as 23 or older, uh, I will hide it in a game. So this is kind of where I consider myself in the play zone. I'm problem solving with them. I explain how I think they feel. I explain how I feel. I explain the problem is. I ask them to help me solve the problem. But just sitting and having that conversation with a three-year-old is really hard to do or even a 13-year-old. So instead, we will play a game. Jenga, Twister, whatever it is, and we will solve the problem while we're playing the game. It hides the work in the play and it gets them to cooperate much, much better. All right. There are some things to think about and some things to remember. And these are actually from the book Hunt, Gather Parent. I read these thoughts and I was like, yeah, these people need to hear these. They're really, really, really good. As I kind of alluded to earlier, when kids are upset, they have a hard time listening learning, paying attention, being redirected, because they're in that emotional part of the brain. And we need to get them back into their logical, rational part of the brain. So teaching them self-regulation strategies, using humor that gets them back, and then you can guide and redirect them. There's a really great episode that I've done in the past on the wise owl and the barking dog that explains that concept so much more clearly. When a child feels like more calm and relaxed and safe from just outright impulsive punishments, they are open or more open to learning the new rules or new rules in general or fixing old mistakes. It is when we create an unsafe environment where they cannot be vulnerable and open up to learn. If a child isn't cooperating to do something that you want them to do, there's a pretty high likelihood that there is tension between the person asking them to do it and what they're doing. Once we can resolve the tension, once we can add that level of humor and lightheartedness, then we can solve the problem and the child will cooperate and listen and learn better. And we have robbed children of play. Everything is so serious in life. So even with behaviors and with consequences, adding in an element of play can reduce the tension and make things so much easier for us. And you may think, well, am I just rewarding them because I'm making a game out of something serious? No, you're getting them into the right state to be able to learn because ultimately that's what we're, we're focused on here is state changes. We're working on things to change their state, to get them in the space where they can learn to do better next time. Simply just punishing them just keeps them in a bad state or a state, and it doesn't teach them to do anything differently next time. So my thought is a little bit of time and energy focused on play and humor and lightheartedness is worth it. And I'm not necessarily feeling like I'm feeding the poor behavior. I am teaching them. I'm teaching them to regulate. I'm teaching them to solve problems. All right. Today's listener question the listener asked or said, there's a gap, age gap, significant age gap between our youngest child and our middle child. And it creates massive power struggles and it's tough to balance the emotional needs of both. Okay. So what does this person do? One, every child is different. So everyone's going to need a different response and it's tough and it's challenging. So recognizing that first, that everyone needs something different. The second thing is if we really want that older child to be, let's say like a champion for the middle child, the older, more mature, more knowledgeable, more knowing person. And my guess is that this middle child maybe has a stronger personality and that's why there's a power struggle. So we want to talk to the older sibling about modeling Good emotional regulation and health and responsibility because they are this older, they are this younger child's champion. They are the person that this younger child looks up to, even if it doesn't feel that way right now. So getting the older child to feel a sense of responsibility and power and control, because it's probably likely that child feels powerless frequently because of this middle child's stronger personality. And, you know, it sounds like the middle child can really benefit from some like explicit direct work, skill work on regulating emotional needs. And we know that this middle child probably has a stronger personality. So can we kind of respond to redirect, deal with this child in a way that gives them a sense of power and control and feeds that need? in a way that's appropriate instead of them negatively seeking it from their older sibling. The last thing I would do is I would sit down and have a problem-solving conversation between the two, depending on the age. Um, I know there's a big gap between the two, but I don't know what the age groups are of these two kiddos, but I would definitely try and have them come together and solve the problem together so that that they know they are a unit and we solve problems together. We work things out together. Lots of options there, but I want to model healthy things ourselves. We want to talk to older siblings about being role models, younger about being respectful, and everyone needs a little bit more emotional regulation. All right. To wrap up our show, I'm going to share with you our try-at-home tip, which is to read more children's stories and do more creating. Why? Because children's stories are fun and lighthearted. And I love that for us because life is very serious and stressful. And this an element of kind of lightheartedness that helps us to regulate or at least brings us out of a heightened state of dysregulation. And why I added kind of the duo in there of do more creating is I hope that that environment or those exposures to children's stories encourage you or prompt you to do more creative, fun, lighthearted things yourself because we need more of that in our lives. So that could be painting, drawing, sculpting, making a book, with your kiddos, writing your own children's story, whatever it is, just do something in the creative sector that can let your brain kind of freely flow and rest from all of the tension and stress it feels from everyday life. And that's it for today's episode of returning to us podcast. Remember our try to home tip, which is read more children's stories and do more creating. Let those stories inspire you to be creative. If you are looking for more support in the area of stress, trauma, or behavior, Or the brain. I love to be a part of that learning journey. The Behavior Hub, the organization I created to help schools and families, offers a range of supports from coaching to online courses to even university credit. So, to learn more about any of these things, contact me through the Behavior Hub website or shoot me a text at 717 693 7744. And don't forget to lock in what you learned today by sharing it with someone else or applying the knowledge and coming back and letting me know how it went. Until next episode, I'm Lauren Spiegelmeyer. Thanks for joining me.